0: Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now between chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Daniel, you have a period of 25 years of silence. There's a gap. In the fourth chapter, the fourth chapter ends with Nebuchadnezzar being the king. And um, he was restored to his kingdom. But there's nothing in the Bible that indicates how long he reigned over Babylon after his restoration, after his experience of eating like a lion, see, an ox. All right. Uh, when, but it wasn't long, uh, uh, because his son, Evil Merodach, as taught in the Bible, he's the he's a king, where and one of he's mentioned in the Bible because of his. Uh, a favor that he did to Jehoiachin, who was the son of Jehoiachin, you know. Jehoiachin was king, and he was only king of Judah three months when Nebuchadnezzar captured him and brought him uh, down to Babylon. But now Nebuchadnezzar is dead. His son has ascended the throne, and the first thing he did in his first year, he uh, granted Jehoiachin, his freedom. He had been in prison all that time. And made him not only that, but made him an honorary citizen of Babylon among the Jews. Whatever happened to him after the restoration, by well, the Bible has no reference to Jehoiachin. Well, evil Merodach only reigned for two years. He was murdered by his brother-in-law, Nera Glisser. And Nero reigned for three and a half years. And then his, and he in turn, uh, was, uh, was succeeded by his son, whom Nabonidus, uh, he rode a reign nine months, his son. And his name was, uh, Labasque Marduk. He's also got another name, but the other one's worse than that. One. And then uh and then uh The book of Daniel tells us that Belshazzar was the last king of the Babylonian Empire. History all historians and all uh teachers of old Testament history, uh, the Liberals had a field day uh concerning uh, Belshazzar, because there was no mention of him in uh, in history. Uh, Herodotus, the Greek earliest historian, had no record of him, never mentions him. But he mentions Nabonidus, and says that Nabonidus was on the throne when Cyrus captured uh, uh, Babylon. Well, uh, so uh, he reigned, Nabonidus reigned, Seventeen years, according to history now. So the seventeen years, plus the three and a half years of Neriglycer, the nine months of uh, of uh, uh, Labask Marduk, and the three years of evil Marduk, um add up to some twenty-three to twenty-four years. All right? Plus... However, how long, uh, Nebuchadnezzar reigned after he regained his throne, because in his, in the end, prayer it says that his kingdom was restored to him, and he had honor and brightness, returned to me, and my counselors, and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. In other words, he was even more glorious after his uh, actually, he reigned after his experience of insane experience, after, so to speak. Alright. Well, now that's the history, uh, between the two chapters. The chapter five begins by saying Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Belshazzar, uh, was a, a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was the son of Nabonidus. Uh, history tells us that. And that's what solved this problem. Belshazzar was reigning as king in Babylon. His father, Nabonidus, uh, was a, uh, was a religious, uh, a very religious man according to his religion. And he liked to deal in antiques. He liked to dig in the ground. He liked to, to check buildings and their cornerstone to see what was in those buildings. And he amassed uh, on earth many, many, just lots of them that are still today. Today are in the British Museum and uh, other other museums uh, in the world. And, uh, well, uh, he was always out doing that. Uh, but at this particular time, uh, Nabonidus was fighting for his life. At the at the very time the chapter 5 opens, uh, Babylon is being sieged by Cyrus. Cyrus had already gone up uh, to Lydia. Now, Lydia, the, uh, he had gone all the way through Mesopotamia, through Haran, where uh, Abraham stopped, you know. Well, he goes all the way across uh, Asia Minor, Sardis, captures Sardis, and uh, he captures Lydia, well, Lydia was a strong kingdom that, that joined the, uh, the Aegean Sea. See, and just before you get, just at Troas, where Paul was, you know. Alright? When they uh, left there to go across Philippi. Well, now that section is called, it was, ancient name was Lydia. And it was, and Croesus was the king at this time. And uh, he knew that he was going to have trouble with Cyrus. He knew the Persians was threatening his kingdom. Well, he wanted uh, the assistance of Egypt. He wanted Egypt to rebel against Babylon. And uh, and, uh, and Persia. At the time Babylon was the king, they were they were the reigning kingdom, but Cyrus is uh, is inching in on the sideline. He's trying to take over. Well, Belshazzar is uh, doesn't pay any attention to that. To the uh, the um, actions of Cyrus. Well, uh, Croesus uh, ha- wrote a letter, sent it to Egypt, and was appealing for help. He also tried to get the ancient Assyrians up there, see at Nineveh, to turn against uh, Nineveh, against Cyrus. He wanted Babylon. He wanted to get word to Babylon, but he, but he couldn't. Alright, but in the meantime, Cyrus comes into Lydia and captures that territory and adds that to the kingdom, to his new kingdom that he, his power. Well, uh, that causes Nabonidus. He has to meet Nabonidus now. Nabonidus is the actual king of Babylon. Uh, Belshazzar, his son, is just reigning as vicegerent. See, he's just a substitute. He's a vice president. All right? Uh, So, uh, uh, in in the battle, Cyrus defeats Nabonidus and puts him in jail as a prisoner in Borsippa. That's not far from Babylon. And uh, then he comes and sieges Babylon. Well, Babylon was a city, according to Herodotus and Berossus, uh was a city that was 15 miles square. It had walls around it. The walls were 87 feet wide, 350 feet high, and then on top of that wall, there were 250 towers, lookout posts, uh, and they were 100 feet higher than the wall, which made four hundred and fifty feet high, and and uh, then uh, outside the wall of Babylon was a canal all the way around it, filled with water, deep, so that no person could, uh, no army could attack the city. Now remember, just think, these walls are eighty-seven feet thick now. And they're 350 feet high, so they can't, uh, the army can't scale it, you see, nothing back in there. You got to think in terms of warfare in those days, see, 500 C- uh, BC. And, uh, well, uh, so, old Belshazzar was in there. They were having a possibly an annual yearly feast. It was, a uh, honoring some god. And, uh, they were just having gonna have a good, good time uh and uh so cyrus has uh he he and his army is all uh, ready to they're trying to attack they' figured out some way well uh history tells us that uh cyrus uh uh diverted the stream the river euphrates by made a bypass that he dug a canal and this history says that uh for two and a half years uh, uh, Cyrus had been, uh, making inroads to turn, to divert the canal. See? Because the only way he could get in the city was through that riverbed. He wanted to, he wanted to turn the water out of there so he could just, uh, march right in the, in the riverbed. And history tells us that that's the way it's done. But the Bible tells us that, uh, the gates were open. Alright? It was the river gates that was open. Great locks and uh, uh so uh uh both may be true i mean the history the bible is true the the historical uh portion can be true too uh he could have diverted the water it could come under there but uh and at the same time uh the Bible tells us that the gates are open well so but Bell says <coughs> now he was uh he was, uh, had made a great feast and, uh, a thousand of his lords, uh, they came and they drank wine, uh, see, <clears throat> alright. The, these lords, these rulers, these sheriffs, these counselors, these provincial men, uh, now they, they drank a while and, and then Belshazzar got a, a, a taste in that wine and, and he remembered uh, that in the museum, place where they kept the the palace, where they kept all these treasures. See, uh, the Bible has already told us. Daniel's already told us that he took these treasures and put them in his treasure house. The the gold cups and glasses and implements that came out of the temple in Jerusalem. So uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, after he got a few drinks under his belt, uh, he felt sassy and he was mean and he was a wicked old cuss anyway, and. Uh, so he's, uh, he commanded uh, for the to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Now you see, uh, his great sin here, Belshazzar was totally uh, unconcerned with the affairs of the state. Uh, That is, with the protection, the security, the safety of uh, uh, Babylon. Uh, Then, uh, in his drunken spree... He uh, he goes against the providence of God. God had a purpose for these cups, see, and these golden vessels. And uh, and if if Nebuchadnezzar hadn't brought them to uh, to Babylon, the uh, uh, Samaritans and others, you see, would have uh, would have pillaged them. Of course, when he conquered the city and destroyed it, well, he made sure that he'd get it. But if he had left it. Uh, just demolished where somebody would have just picked it up just like, uh, just like raiding it. Well, God saw to it that these were kept and, uh, and that Nebuchadnezzar kept them safely. But while he was using them to drink, instead of, uh, of having any, any concern or any respect for these vessels, well, he praised the gods of Babylon, you see, of wood and of stone, at silver and so on, and iron. Well, in the same hour. Mention the verses we go along Where we. Alright. Later day we can keep up with you. Yeah, alright. Verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Now, in these two verses, verse 5 and verse 6, you have the story of the bone-rattling, knee-knocking nut. That's Bethphazer. Um, Alright, now why, when he saw the hand, now notice, he saw just a hand, disconnected from a body, chiseling, engraving, in the wall. He didn't have a paintbrush and paint it, but he chiseled it in the wall. Uh, and uh, he saw that hand. But he became troubled. Well, why did he, uh, uh, why did he get scared? Why should he be afraid? Why should his knees knock? Why should his back bone come out of joint? Now, uh, Elijah was up on the Mount Carmel, and uh, he went over and and, and and got on the ground, and he prayed to God. He thanked God for the victory that he'd already uh, demonstrated there, and he was praying uh, that the rain now might come, and he had a servant, uh, some boy, some man was heavy him. Well, he told him, he says, go out there and take a look across the sea. See if you see any sign of a, of a cloud. And the boy went six times. And no, came back, told him lie. No, I didn't see nothing, no sign of rain. Well, go back the seven times. He went back that seven time. Came back. And he says, yeah, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Well, why didn't Elijah get scared? Elijah didn't get scared. His knees didn't tremble. Why? Because he was happy. He he thanked God. He praised God. Why? He said, Well, the rain's coming. Up there's going to be abundance of rain. And then he told old Ahab to get in his chariot and get going. And then Ahab outrun. And um, then Elijah outrun Ahab, even in the chariot. Him on foot. Well, uh, now the reason why, uh, Belshazzar got his knees began to knock. The reason why he was troubled it was the it was the power of an awakened stricken conscience. His conscience was bothered. Uh, he uh now you take uh uh Adam, God no telling how long God uh visited Adam and Eve, came down and talked with them whether it was days, how many days. We don't know how many days. We don't know where it was months. We don't know how many years or where it was years. Indeterminate, indefinite number of uh, a length of time. But every time when God came, while Adam was just uh, an Eve, why they looked forward, no doubt, to the visitation of God. But one day, they heard the voice of God and They were scared to death, and they hid themselves. Why? Because they'd sinned. See, old Herod, old Herod Antipas, he was a Herod that was uh, king. Herod the Great had died uh, shortly after Jesus was born, but then arose another Herod. Herod Antipas uh, was uh, uh, was ruling, and. Jesus came on the scene. And uh, during his ministry. And he was performing miracles here and there. And his fame was just uh, going all over uh, Judea and Samaria and Galilee. See? Well. But what uh, but, uh, well now Herod, Antipas, why, he ought to have been proud to have a subject in his kingdom that could uh, turn water to wine or that could uh, still the tempest or that could heal all manner of sicknesses, feed multitudes. Well, he heard all about that. But instead of rejoicing, what happened to old Herod? He was troubled. He was scared to death. The reason for that was he had killed the first Baptist preacher. He'd put John the Baptist to death, don't you? See? Ordered his execution. And what did he say, though? He said he feared because he thought that John the Baptist was raised from the dead. He said, That must be John the Baptist. He's the greatest man he ever heard, see? Well, that scared him. It's conscious bothered him. But now, but now, old Herod Antipas said that, and he ain't supposed to believe in the resurrection. He's a Sadducee. He was His whole background was was uh, cast with a lot of the Sadducees. Not with the Pharisees, but with the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But buddy, his theology gave way when, when, when his conscience got to knock at him. See? He interpreted the events that he heard in the light of a guilty conscience. And a, and the criminal, a guilty man uh that's running from the law, why he can hear soft footsteps and he gets scared of them. Why? Because a guilty conscience is scared of the unknown. Whatever's out there, whatever it is, he doesn't know what it is. He's scared as long as it's unknown to him. But when he finds out what it is, why then they can they can relax a little. See that's the way old Belshazzar was. He was scared and his knees knocked and until he could get some relief and he hadn't had any relief. And he called his wise men in. Looked like he'd get tired of calling them old boys in. They hadn't told a thing. They couldn't tell Nebuchadnezzar anything. Belshazzar calls for him. Oh, he calls aloud. He wants every one of them. And they came and, well, just like they were before. Completely. You know, look, if I'd have been, I believe if I'd have been one of them hypocritical Pecker Woods, I'd have made up some kind of answer to give him. But they didn't even open the mouth. Why? Because God was reserving the answer for Daniel. And Daniel, so then, uh, uh, so then in, uh, and that's what happened down here, uh, uh, down here in Guyana. Uh, old, uh, this old boy, uh, Jim Jones. Look what he did. Four hundred people. See? He had, he had already taught these people, uh, how to commit suicide. See? And brother, when old Ryan and these other boys came down then, and, uh, and they, they were about to expose, uh, his racket, see? And he just couldn't live with his conscience. And then he issued the command, no doubt, for them to shoot, to kill him before he got on the plane, see? Uh, and then he led that bunch, told them then, and started giving them Kool-Aid and cyanide mix to the little kids. And four, over 400 of them died. Well now, uh, he he did that, uh, I mean now that's that was conscious catching up with him. He, the, the, the end of the empire hadn't come, but he thought it had, don't you see? That's all he could hear. That's all he could make out of this trip. Because he knew that Ryan had been his enemy and then that People had been uh, trying to find out uh, what what all this was about. All right. Verse uh, 7. The king cried loud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet And have a chain of gold about his neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now you see there are three things. He promised him to make a cardinal out of him. Give him a, give him a scarlet, uh, uh, clothing, see? And then put a gold chain about his neck. Oh boy, he'd be something. And then the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, now that, uh, uh, notice that expression. Third ruler in the kingdom. Well, Belshazzar was the second ruler in the kingdom. Nabonidus, a man that the Bible didn't mention. See, he was, but history says he was the last king. He was king when Cyrus came into Babylon. And so, uh, when they dug up the plates in 1845, that hadn't been too long ago. See, uh, they dug up the plates in 1845 and found that Nabonidus. Where Nabonidus was given an order, issuing a statement, uh, about, uh, that, uh, that his kingdom, he wanted, if something happened to him, he wanted his, his son, his favorite son, Belshazzar, uh, to take, to, uh, take the kingdom. Well, when they found, found that, well then there's Nabonidus. Uh, he says, I, Nabonidus, my favorite son, Belshazzar. Alright, that's, that uh, uh, that cleared up the mystery, you see. So Nabundus was the actually king, Belshazzar, his son, reigning with him. Now Belshazzar said, I, uh, "The highest position you that's open for you is third place. My father is number one man. I'm number two, and you'll be number three in the kingdom, or whoever." Now that's what he offered to these wise men. Then came in all the king's wise men and all of the king's, uh, uh, king's wise men and they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in him and his lords were astonished. See, he's still scared. He's still quiet his cotton. That hand up there, it's gone, but them words up there, what do they mean? They're scaring him. Well, they might have been good news. All he knows, he doesn't know what they are. The wise men don't know what they are, so it could have been good news to him. But his conscience is telling him that that, that means judgment. That's bad news for him, see? He can't get reconciled. So, then uh, uh, verse 10 tells us about the queen mother. Now, the queen mother in uh, uh, ancient Babylon and, and uh, in that age with Assyria and others, uh, the queen mother had power. They were respected. They, uh, but Belshazzar's wife, or any wife, or any concubine of the kings, well, they were just, they had houses for them. Had, had houses for the wives in one palace, concubines in another place, that kept them. That's the way the kings lived in those days. They'd, they'd put them out, different ones. And, uh, well, they, uh, they had no, uh, official place of business, official rule or title. But now then, here comes the Queen Mother. And she wasn't at the, uh, she perhaps is too old. And no doubt that this, uh, is, uh, this is evil, Meredoc's wife, no doubt, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, or it may be, uh, in history, they, uh, Herodotus, uh, talks about a woman by the name of, uh, Heredicris. And, uh, they think maybe that that's who this woman is. That, if so, it would be Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. And she would stand in a high position. Anyway, this, uh, uh, this woman, uh, was related to Belshazzar, related to Nebuchadnezzar, because of the terms that uh, used, we'll find we'll notice as we come to it. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. See, she hadn't been in there in this drunken uh, mess. And the queen spake and said, "O king, live forever! Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man." In thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Where is he, Belshazzar? What did you do with him? Belshazzar don't know him. You don't know nothing about him. He don't know Daniel. See? See, twenty uh, uh there's twenty-three years past, and in during this gap, Daniel got sidetracked, see? They, they didn't want that old man. He done he's uh, uh 90 years old, between eighty five and ninety years old now. Why well, he's too old, we don't need him in the kingdom anymore. All right, but this woman who is also elderly woman, but now, and she says, "Thy father." He, she knew all about it. She, she knew about him interpreting the dreams when the wise men failed, and uh, she said, Well, he's in thy kingdom." Well, uh, for as uh, verse twelve, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge, and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, and dissolving. Of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. See, she believed him. She had faith in him. Then was Daniel brought in before the king. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought out of Judah? Now the expression father, as it's occurred here several times, uh can mean father, can mean grandfather, it can mean a descendant. Just somebody in the line of somebody. You see, now like uh when Jesus uh when at the uh prophesying of his birth, uh thy father David. See, talking about of the lineage, you see. Uh so yeah. Then was Daniel? uh, All right. Uh, Verse fourteen says, "I have even heard of thee. I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee." He just heard; he hadn't he didn't know about it before. See, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, and they uh, that they should read the writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing, and make known to me the interpretation, thou shalt be, and he makes the same promise to Daniel that he made to the the wise men, clothed in scarlet, have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.